Father, we bow our heads before you. We bow our hearts. We surrender to you because you said whoever loses their life will find it. And the whole gist of that is is that you've given us a free will to do what we want with our life. Out of love, you've given it to us. And to the person who knows, and so many Christians know, the joy of surrendering, of truly surrendering and then finding ourselves and who we are. So by your Spirit today, prepare our hearts to surrender who we are so that you can find who we are and we can find who you are. This is the greatest experience in the spiritual realm that we can have, to have you and your presence in us, inside of us. And that's who we ask, and that's what we pray for today as we surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A couple of quick announcements. I'm going to give one, and Kathy's going to come give one for uh, Bible studies. Uh, you got the first graphic up there for me, Todd, for um, the um, September 2. Remember, the two graphics in blue there is mine. Thank you very much, sir. So you got a letter on this. If you didn't get a letter, somehow or another, we don't have your address. So please, if we don't, uh, say something to Nancy. But the month of September, we're trying to build the kingdom. And we have this series that we're doing all the way through. Um, one of the Sundays, uh, we're going to be actually having, oh, some surprises and things like that. But just so you know, for VIP Sunday, we're putting together a VIP package, a gift bag, for anybody that you bring to church for the first time. My daughter works for the Cleveland Indians. I have a box full of Cleveland Indians paraphernalia, Kim. No, you can't have any of it, sorry. She'll be looking for any leftovers or whatever. We have somebody who works for Pepperidge Farm. We're going to put some Milano cookies in there, maybe something, you know, other tools and different things like that. Some people have come forward and said they'll do some things. So please help us the following week then break the record attendance. And our record attendance here is 195 other than Christmas or Easter. So we're going to break that record. We've got some thoughts on what we might do to encourage and to have some fun with that. So please be prepped and ready for all of that. All right, take it away. Three o'clock in the morning. Kathy, I want to thank you again also for um, the job that you do as our uh, 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 Director of Adult Discipleship uh, has really strengthened and grown our program at both of our churches. So give her a round of applause. All right. And if I know Kathy much more so than you applauding her would be if you signed up to be in a Bible study. That's not going to just make her happy. That's going to make Jesus happy. Ask yourself the question, why wouldn't I be in Bible study? Why would I not be in Bible study? That's a question to ask, and that's kind of what we learn each and every week, but Sundays is not enough. So I'm going to save the high five for next week So because it's so good, we'll do it next week, Todd. Let's just open with my graphics here. I got the first one here. I want to talk to you about lifestyles. The first graphic that I have in regards to lifestyles has to do with what you eat. Thank you, sir. What you eat, you know. Are you more the broccoli side and you're disciplined 
And so you don't eat donuts and ice cream, that type of thing. I had, I had a husband tell me, I'd come out to the uh, ice cream truck Friday night, but, uh, you know, my wife's trying to keep me away from ice cream, you know, so I don't know. Maybe he's lactose intolerant. I don't know. That could cause problems, you know. And, and the thing is, is if you're a police officer, you have donuts and you have good food. You, you are allowed to eat both of them if you've been in the police force. The second one that I have here has to do with exercise, you know. Are you a couch potato or do you lift weights? Are you in sports and stuff like that? You know, everybody falls on one side or the other. One of the things that couch potatoes tell me is, is they never have to worry about hurting themselves, pulling a muscle, dropping a weight on their toe. And I think that that's for all of you who exercise and go to the gym and stuff like that, you get hurt, don't come whining to us. You know, we're just, we're safe, we're okay. What about lifestyle when it comes to politically? Politically, you got the liberals, you got the conservatives. Take a look at that there, and I just ask you the question. You don't have to answer it. It's not a test. You figure it out for yourself. Which side are the liberals and which side are the conservatives? You have a lifestyle. I have a lifestyle. There's certain different things, you know. I'm not talking today about the lifestyles of the rich and famous. I'm talking about Christians. You also have a lifestyle, spiritually speaking. We're talking about Bible studies. It's not our idea. It's, she read two passages of Scripture. You get a chance to grow. You get a chance to learn. You get a chance to ask. Folks, isn't it amazing? Wouldn't it be awesome to have a job where you just show up once a week? That's what people think of church. I show up once a week. You know, Bible study. Be involved. Get involved, you know. What's your style? Today, the third week, we're learning from this old man. He's a great life coach. His name is John. He had a great life coach. His name was Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He's 90 to 95 years old. He wrote five books in the New Testament. Do you think if he has something to teach us today, we should listen? I would think so. And I have some of that information in there. I've been telling you one of the key words is no, and it's various forms. You see the word no, knows, or known. I counted 41 times. You know why that is? Do you know how many people you run into that are not Christians and say, you can't know this, you can't know that? And he had the same problem. He went through the same problems in church. Can you look at me? And I want to talk to you about lifestyles as found in 1 John, the third chapter. You have to have your sermon notes or you have to pull out your smartphone, but you really need your Bible. Pull out your Bible. Make sure you have your Bible with you. If you don't have your Bible, we have them free. This past week, I had lunch with a gentleman coming to a lifeline, and he, he said, you know, I don't know which Bible I have, and I said, we have one for you free. I gave it to him today. You need a Bible? There's one free. We paid for it for you. Number one is the motivating factor. Everybody knows that a life coach uses something to motivate you, something to help you say, this is how you treat people, this is what your work ethic is like, this is what you do in your diet and your exercise and everything. There's something that's got to motivate you, and it's the same thing spiritually. Number one in your notes, uh, it's motivating factor, but look at verse one. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. How's that for motivation? And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him, meaning Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know when the last time is that somebody lavished something on you, lavished love on you, something other than your dogs or your cat. 
that love you unconditionally, that lick you and care about you, whatever. Honestly, they could care if you're a terrorist or an ISIS terror. They could care less who you are. You know, they're going to love anybody. The word lavish literally means to bestow something in generosity and extravagant quantity upon us. The love, when's the last time somebody lavished something on you? And the question is, is who was it? Because John says, here's the motivating factor for you Christians. The love of the Father's been lavished on us, and it means that the Father has given us something for our own advantage. For our own advantage, not for his. And what is that wonderful gift? That you could be called children of God. Not just somebody out there in the world, not just somebody, you're a child of God. And he made that possible by giving us his son, Jesus Christ. And so who did it? Who did that? To become children of God means that you become the beneficiary. You're an offspring, you know, a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, they get married. You know, beneficiaries are in other names, you know, my home and the things that I had and everything that were in my mom and dad's name until I got married and then I moved everything to Maria's name. Even my life insurance, so I sleep with one eye open. So, you have the beneficiary of everything from the Father. Look what great love he has lavished on us. We get an awful lot in his presence in this life, but this isn't where it's all at. There's something else and there's something more other than this. When I'm reminded that the world didn't accept Jesus, it helps me realize when I live for Christ, when I do what's right, it's the world's not always going to like it. They're not going to cheer me on for being a Christian and doing what's right. They come to expect you to lie sometimes. They expect this, that, or the other. But I'm reminded continuously, Jesus came to his own people, the Jews, and the Bible says his own people did not accept him. So if you find yourself today in a place where maybe somebody out there is not liking you or what you're doing and you're living for Christ, you're in great company. A good life coach knows the motivating factor. You have been lavished with the love of God so much so that he calls you a child. Because if the world doesn't like you, remember, it didn't like him. Number two, a good life coach tells you gives you information and prompts you to have purifying habits, you know. They, they want the best for you. They want whatever you're doing to be refined and to get better. And wherever you're at spiritually today, will you be obedient? Will you surrender to taking the next step? Look at verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God. He carries that same thought. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So John repeats it. You're a child of God. And, you know, John spent an awful lot of time with Jesus, and he understood this and that and the other, but he said, you know, I'm not exactly sure what what we're going to be like. When we go to be with Christ, I don't know exactly everything. We know a few things. He says, but when we see him, we'll be like him. I'm not sure what all that means or whatever, but to contemplate what it was like when Jesus walked this earth after his resurrection, there's some pretty interesting and some pretty great things that were happening. We have to purify ourselves because he says, you know, you're children. Okay, now you're going to see him. So if you're going to see Jesus when you die, are you ready to see him? He says, why don't you get 
as close as you can to him and be like him. It's, it's almost like a parent trying to raise a young boy, right? You're raising a young boy and you're, you're trying to get him to comb his hair before he leaves the house. You're trying to get him to brush his teeth. He's grown up a little bit. He's starting to have B.O. Why don't you use a little bit of deodorant, this, that, the other? And you're fighting with him until one day he comes walking through the kitchen or whatever and his hair looks good. And he grabs some of his father's aftershave. And he's got his deodorant on and has brushed his teeth. And you know what has happened. He's found out about girls. He hated them before. But something changed. He was in the women haters club. No women allowed on the sign. And now he's found a girl. And he's going to see her. You and me, we're going to see Jesus. We stink a little got to clean up a little bit we're not there's some things we need to purify with the expectation of being in Jesus presence that's one of the motivating factors he says to us you got to get some purifying habits going on what spiritual habits do we practice so that our lifestyle sets us apart and helps us be Christians what excuse will you use not to have a daily devotional? What excuse will you use not to be in Bible study? What excuse will you use not to fellowship or give? What excuse? Because when you, and I make that excuse, we have not surrendered. And we don't have what's best and we don't trust the Lord. Number three, a good life coach defines what's bad. You know, defining what is bad. They define what's bad and they set a standard and they say this is good and this is bad. And if you ever want a one verse, one sentence of a verse of what the definition of sin is, it's found in 1 John 3, 4. That should be easy to remember. 1 John 3, 4. Here's a definition of sin. Everyone who breaks the law, everyone who sins, sorry, breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Now, this isn't lawlessness out in the world. This is knowing what the Bible tells me to do and commands me to do and saying, I ain't doing it. That's lawlessness. That's sin. It's knowing what to do and not doing it or knowing what not to do and doing it. Sin of omission or commission. I mean, you remember all John taught us continuously that whoever loves Jesus must keep his commands? When you hear the greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your mind immediately needs to go to, how do I do that? And Jesus said, you do that by obeying my commands. You show me, you love me, that you trust me, that you believe in me by obeying my commands. And so as we're in this, in this series we're finding out what it is Jesus wants us to do. We find out if we love him. But the second part of that continuously is, is the one who claims to love the Father must love his brother and sister and his neighbor and, yeah, even your enemy. Because that is showing that we trust our God. It's what he does and it's what he calls us to do, you know. They have TV shows out there. I like watching them once in a while, you know. The dumb criminal, right? The stupid criminal or something like that. And I guess the biggest dumb thing that I watch them is I said, really? They didn't think that they were going to get caught? And then when they get caught, it's just like they, they thought there would be no consequences for this. I seriously think that there ought to be a TV show for dumb Christians. Because they continue to find a reason to sin or to break the commands or not love somebody and they think there's no consequences. Somehow, 
Grace has covered everything, even our disobedience, everybody. This is a concern I have as your pastor. That somehow we think there's no consequences for disobeying God. Why don't they think, why don't we get caught? And I think to myself, sometimes they're Christians, just like, you know, sin is defined here for us. It defines what is bad. It it lets me know and understand the definition for my lifestyle. So I look at my lifestyle. And if there's something I'm continually and ongoingly doing that is disobedient, I am living in sin. And now it's time to switch gears and stop it and go to the Lord and get victory over it. Number four, removing toxins. A good life coach teaches us that there are things in life that are toxic to us. There are things in life that are toxic. Things you stay away from. Look at verse 5. Spiritually speaking, John says, but you know that Jesus, he, appeared so that he might take away our sins. And then he uses this phrase, underline it, in him. And in him is no sin. None of us have a problem with that phrase. But watch how he takes those two words and he uses it for you and for me. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. See, a good life coach, they hound us about things that are poison to us. And John, man, he is hounding us in this entire uh, book about Evan. Stay away from sin. Get away from it. Go after it. Repent of it. Get victory over it. Sin is poisonous to our spiritual life. It's poisonous, you know. Good parents never allow their children to wear them down. When, you're, when, when you say, hey, uh, did you do your homework today? You ask me that every day. And you just basically say, and I'm going to ask you every day. Don't be the type of parent that says, well, okay, I won't. I won't ask. You hound your kids. Where were you tonight? You were supposed to check in. Why didn't you? You tell me that all the time. Don't you trust me? I don't trust you. I'm going to ask you until you're 35. Where are you? Good parents do not worry about their child responding and saying, stop hounding me because a good parent, lovingly, you can even find some different ways to hound them. A good parent does the exact same thing that a good life coach does and they are honest all the time about the toxins in our life. John sees what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God and four times there he uses the word sin in some way, shape, or form. And he says if you've seen him or if you claim to be a Christian and you keep on sinning, you're lying to yourself. You haven't seen him. You're not, you don't know him. Our lifestyle is to be without sin, so get the toxin poisons out of our life. Number five is other voices. A life coach knows that when he teaches you something, there's going to be somebody else that thinks they're wiser or smarter or whatever it is, and they're going to tell you, you don't really need to do that. You can do this. I've done that. There's going to be other voices, and if you are a Christian, there are definitely other voices in your life. Look at verse 7. Dear children, look at the loving approach this, this old grandpa takes. <laughs> Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. Ha. Do you know the easiest people to deceive? You know, I tell you this all the time. People who don't think they can be deceived. 
Don't let anybody lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. You understand what that says? There are people that teach you can't live without sin, and yet Jesus says the one who does what is right is righteous just as Jesus is righteous. He compares you and I once again. Jesus didn't sin. In him was no sin. I don't want any sin in you. And in regards to your living your life, you have to understand there's other voices that are trying to lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous. But then he says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil and not just to destroy it on earth but to destroy it in my life, to destroy that sin in my life. Here's a simple test. Am I living right? Am I living what is right and righteous? You ought to say I'm a righteous person. You ought to do what's right. And if you slip up and if you don't, you have an advocate with the Father. Go to him, confess, repent, but then get back right because he can purify you. The second test is, uh, hey, Evan, am I living in sin? Am I living like the devil would and claiming that I know him? A life coach, he won't let us claim that we're doing good when we're doing bad, when we start listening to other voices, you know? Pastors constantly battle over the voices that their congregation hears. We battle over the the congregational voices in the books that they read, the TV preachers that they watch, the radio stations that they listen to. And so, I say to you, this is the gospel according to Jesus Christ. John wrote it, but it's from the mouth of Jesus. And so, to make sure we're not listening to other voices, we go to the Word of God. We go to the Word of God, and you check out if what I'm saying is true. Christians, there are other voices that are trying to tell you that your lifestyle should include sin every day in word, thought, and deed. And if it does, I'm telling you there are consequences, and my biggest concern for your consequences is you think you're safe, and you're so far from Jesus because you're living constant sin. Somebody's told you a lie, and here the Word of God is plain. That's my concern as your pastor. Number five, number six. You don't have to do this alone, everybody. You think, I've tried and tried, I understand that. Here's the helper, you know. A life coach doesn't just tell you what to do. He's showing you what to do. He's helping you what to do. He's giving you examples of what to do. He doesn't just talk, 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 talk. He's there. He's helping you. And the awesome, most wonderful thing about being a New Testament Christian is the helper. Look at the different phraseology that John uses to describe the helper in verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. John uses the phrase born of God because he's the one that said you must be born again. And what he means is everybody here is born of the flesh, of the water, but you must be born a second time. That's all it means. That's that's John's favorite picture word, born of God. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us when we are born again. His seed, God's seed, remains in us. They cannot go and sinning because they have been born of God for a second time. He, he gives you this example. Verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. He comes right back with the two greatest commands, and you already know, 
how to live those out. How is it that we can live without sin? God has given us something nobody in the Old Testament had. I'm sorry, that's a mistake. Only chosen men or women had the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, everybody, men and women, young and old, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. He is your helper to go beyond, to come alongside, to help you with your free will, to give you wisdom and insight, to have the scriptures help you to live the way that God expects you to live. We all need someone in this life, and you and I need the Holy Spirit. If you've quenched him by sinning, you must get right with God, and he will come back in his fullness. We all need to take a look at our lifestyle. Hey, Evan, what's your lifestyle? That we kind of know whose we are by looking at what I do and how I live. I have the phrase teeter-totter in your notes there because I've had some... I kind of have this love-hate relationship with teeter-totters, you know? I can remember so clearly getting on a teeter-totter as a kid and enjoying a teeter-totter back and forth. And I can remember so clearly the first time some punk was on with me and when I got to the top, he slid off the back. So I went, bam, and slammed that down. Some of you are shaking your head. And then being the punk that I was, I did it to others. Wish I could say I didn't, but I confess. you know. And so if the, if the teeter-totter whole situation is going to work, it's going to work because two people play the game right. And if I read my Bible correct, Jesus is on one side of the teeter-totter and I'm on the other side. And so are all of you. And the only way that the teeter-totter works is if God does his part. And he always does his part. He always, you can always count on him. But page after page in the scripture tells me, Evan, you have a free will and are loved and you can choose You can choose to surrender or stiffen your back and say no. The only way Christianity works, the asterisk in your notes, is it's a two-way street, just like a teeter-totter. Christianity is a two-way street. I warn you that there are many Christians who don't believe this, but God sent his son because we were deprived and we needed the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls you of your own free will to repent. And when you repent, he comes. And now, on page after page in my Bible, as I read it, as I'm in Bible studies, as I'm doing my daily devotionals, God is telling me, you've got to stay on your side, you've got to do what you've got to do. If you think Christianity was only a one-way street, then that would mean everybody would get saved. Jesus died for the sins of the world. Everybody's saved. But there's another story. There's always the condition that what I must do. God calls people with a free will to come to him freely. So as the worship team comes, I want to open the altar this morning and I want, to, I want them to sing the song I Surrender again because it just may be that you or I might need to spend a little bit of time at the altar today. The altar is such a wonderful place such a wonderful place to, to get close to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 21 and tell me if you don't think it, Christianity is a two-way street. Let's look at it with me. It's in your notes. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. 
Do you see that? We have what we ask. We keep his commands. It's a two-way street. It's not for those who God doesn't hear their prayer and give them what they want, but for those who don't obey him and keep his command. Look at verse 23. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That's what I'm supposed to do, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, one side of the teeter-totter, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So as the worship team begins to play this song, I wonder if you just want to spend a little bit of time with Jesus. You know, I wonder about the person who has a life coach say to them, you know, I'm not able to keep a job. And every time I try to keep this job, I lose it. And so this person hires a life coach and gives the life coach permission. Go talk to my ex-boss. Ask him what I did wrong. This last job I lost in three months. So the life coach goes and he talks and he comes back and says, well, your employer said, you know, you're not a team player. You know, you, you, you don't get along with everybody else. The other thing he says is you, you're not showing up on time for meetings. And when you are in meetings, you kind of brag on about things that you think you know, but we all know you don't. You just don't fit in with them because you're thinking about yourself and advancing yourself. Now here's the problem. Here's the crux. Here's the point. At that point, do I listen to my life coach and surrender and let the life coach teach me or do I stubbornly say, that ain't me. I don't know what that guy was talking about. No deal. Today, it isn't about that life coach or that person. It's about you and me. Go ahead, if you begin to play for me just a second here. Will you and I surrender? That's the key. You know, what do I need to surrender at the altar today? What is it the one thing that I was here today and, man, you're so afraid of what everybody's going to say and everybody's going to do and you could realize that Jesus calls you to surrender and he will lovingly put his arms around you, lovingly forgive you, lovingly help you where you need help. You come as the Holy Spirit leads. No matter where you're sitting, you're in the middle, somebody will move to get out of the way. You just obey the Lord today. Father, as uh, you prepared our hearts and spoken to our hearts, you have given us uh, a clear picture in our hearts and our minds what it is that um, you want to say to each and every one of us. And the thing I always find amazing about you is your ability to just speak to us individually and uh, your loving kindness that is good to us that I have experienced many times when I've messed up. You are good to us, Lord. May we live in your love and in your forgiveness and in the power of your spirit to help us to live for you as you taught us in the scriptures, as you taught us so clearly in First John, so many other places. Lord, it's the tendency of us to drift, especially when pressure gets put on us because we start to live like you and the world doesn't get it. And You taught us today the world didn't accept Jesus. Expect it when it happens to us. It's just not so hard. It's not so easy to live in that very difficult place, Lord. 
May your richest blessing be on your faithful followers today, Lord. May we live for you, and may we live what is right, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.